Acts chapter 19. Yes. I'd let you preach it, but you might want to get your hand in the blessing box back there. Now look at here, I, I joke about that. I wish I'd shut up and just get on with preaching sometimes. But uh, I never, I never, money is not the issue, but I appreciate very much. Uh, you folks have been so good to me and Kathy. We have enjoyed it. We have ate more than what we need to eat. We have uh, enjoyed our time, enjoyed the fellowship. We just feel so at home. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. We really feel at home and very, very comfort. You're, you're just kind of our kind of folks, and I enjoyed being with you. And I wish I had something a little more positive, and it is positive by the time we get to the end of the message. But folks, you and I have an adversary. We read the scriptures last night from 1 Peter chapter 5 where the warning was. And by the way, Peter wrote this, a man who had been duped by the devil. Jesus had told him one time, he said, Peter, he had said, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. Now, Jesus knew the devil very well. He had done battle with him himself. And when he said, Satan hath desired, that's, a, that's an overwhelming desire that Satan has. It's a, it is a possessive type desire. You remember what I told you in a sermon a few nights ago? that the devil didn't create sin. Sin created the devil. Pride was found in his heart. He's driven by sin emotions as much as any person on the face of the earth. And maybe even more so because he dared to think such a vanity of mind, such an arrogance about who he was as the anointed cherub that he could take the throne away from God. Thought he could stop Christ from coming out of the tomb. I mean, if you think you can stop God, you've got to be about as dumb as a box of rocks. He is subtle. He's very, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know what would be the right word uh, in what he does. He's very good at what he does. He's just not very smart. He still believes knowing even that his time is short, that he can overtake the kingdom of God by bringing all nations together in the world. And by the way, that's where Satan does most of his work, on the nations of the world. People will kowtow down to what the nations want. One of the unique things about the United States of America was the pilgrims who came to this land years ago. The separating, uh, separation from the church at England, they weren't going to bow down, much like the three Hebrew children. The Puritans came over here and they went through that harsh winter the pilgrims did. And they, uh, they survived and they established a nation that was by the will of the people rather than will of government. But there's been a battle going on ever since. And there's never been a nation like the United States of America. There's been a battle going on ever since to give up that freedom and surrender it back to the nations of the world. And if you read in the book of Revelations, you'll find out that that is accomplished to a great amount, a deal. Nations selling their souls out to a great harlot in religious evil. It's an amazing sight to see. Satan 
is very much real. And he is your adversary. And you may not ever meet him one-on-one. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at one time like God. He's not all-powerful like our God. He's not all-knowing like our God. There's a reason the Bible that says that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world because he's not God. But don't underestimate his abilities and his powers. You can't take him one-on-one. I don't like I don't like Christian songs that talk about just... There was one that came out by a man named Carmen years ago. It was a contemporary song, and I'm not knocking contemporary songs, so please don't say that, but he just had the wrong mentality about how he went to the devil's house and how he just uh, did battle with the devil, took him on one and one. Look here, you don't go on the devil's ground. You never do. You stay on the ground God puts you. You're going to fight the devil, you do it on God's ground. You'll be on solid ground then. You don't fight him on his ground. You will lose, I'll guarantee you that. The devil loves to pull people into battles, get them out of their safety net that the Lord has them in and get them into a realm where they're weak instead of being strong. You don't fight him without putting on the armor of God, amen? You ain't going to win the battle if you don't put on the armor of God. I had one woman who put on the armor of God in prayer every morning. Every morning when she, before she'd go out in the day, she had a son that was, uh, let me tell you something, drugs and alcohol do not mix. And drugs and alcohol did not mix in his life. And he, one day I got a call in Fredericktown while I was there, and he had tried to take hedge clippers and clip the fingers off of his grandmother and his mom. He was a mess. He was a, he was a, a trying. He had taken the shotgun and tried to kill him on occasions. I had taken him myself one time straight to the prison up in Farmington. Before it was built, they had something else up there, and I took him there. And, and uh, he, had, he had taken those cutting shears, trying to clip the fingers off of his mom and his grandmother, trying to get to them. They had locked themselves inside a door, and he had taken them and literally tore that door down when I got there. I took him to the facility up in Farmington and went back the next day and they had let him go. Some psychiatrist had checked him out and didn't deem him to be a danger to anybody. There are some people who got too much degrees in front of their names because they don't know how to deal with the devil. And they don't know what the devil's doing. And they don't know how to fight him. You want they do, they put pills into people's mouth. That boy wound up robbing a bank, and in the process of running from the police, he died. But his mother stayed strong in the faith, and she still puts on the armor of God every day. You have an adversary. He has demons. Though he can't be in one place, he has many demons that can be. There are unclean spirits referred to in the Bible. And they're very, very dangerous. Have you ever seen a demon? Probably not. And very few people actually ever deal with demons. But they are very much real. They're as real as they were in the days of Jesus. They were in the Old Testament, they're in the New Testament, and they're in our times. And places in our world today, they have freedom. Absolute freedom. 
to do their influence. Let me share a story before I read the scriptures tonight. I got called out one night up in DeSoto, and I had been trained by certain preachers who had understood, Brother Charlie Miller was one of them, how to deal with things like this. And I got called out by a mother one night, 3 o'clock in the morning, and her son, something had happened, and they were scared. And I told, told him, I said, I'd be right over while the mother had left, and the father was sitting in the driveway when I got there. And we went inside the house, and this young man, who at one time had answered the call to preach, this one man was in a state of possession. He had an evil voice that just came out from his throat, just from deep within inside. And there was vulgarity and cursing towards me. He knew who I was and his dad. And I could tell the voice was not his. And I, his dad played the guitar, and I told him, I said, you, get, you just start singing every gospel song you can think of. And I read every scripture I could think of. Finally, my mind went to some of the things I'd been taught by older preachers, and, the, and I got to every scripture I could get on, on the blood, and, and we got to praying, we got to singing about there's power in the blood, and, and, and other songs about the blood, and this went on for a couple of hours, and he was on the couch, when finally he just kind of let out with a big scream, and he fell to the couch, about, on, to the floor at the side of the couch, and he laid there for the longest of time, and he finally looked at me in his natural voice. Now, this young man is preaching today up in DeSoto. He's got a little church. He works with drug addicts and things like that. But he looked at me and he said, Bob, Brother Bob is what he called me. He said, he's still here. I said, who's still here? He said, the demon is still here. I said, where is he? He says, he's over there by the door. I said, he's in and out. He's out. I said, well, we're not going to let him back in. I went over and shut the door. And we went through that house and got rid of everything a demon would love to be a part of. You know, a demon can get in your house if you ain't careful about what you bring into it. This occultic world that we live in. Seances, mind readers, Hollywood stars are caught up in them. It's very dangerous very dangerous. Paul was out casting out demons in Acts chapter 19 and let's pick the story up. Now you may never have seen a demon but I'll tell you what you've seen where a demon has been. You've seen where a demon has been. You have seen its destruction. You've seen it. You've heard of its doctrine. And so God verse 11 of Acts chapter 19 wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. You want God to work a miracle by your hand? You don't have to pay money for it like the TV preachers. You just have to be surrendered to God. So that from his body were brought unto him sick, the sick of handkerchiefs, aprons, diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. They don't even know Jesus or Paul. We adjure you. They don't know the demon. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. 
no personal relationship. Verse 14, there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. Now notice what the Spirit said in verse 15. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Hey, you think the devil knows who Jesus is? <laughs> There's no doubt. We live in a world. We live in a society that is confused. And Jesus warned about this in Matthew 24, didn't he? He said there would be many that would come in my name and deceive many. But I can tell you what, the devil knows who Jesus is. In fact, they were the first ones to confess that he was the Christ. They recognized him. I've always thought I, I dream this stuff up in my mind, but let me tell you, I think God's creation recognizes its, its creator God more than human creation does. I can just see Jesus stepping out, walking on the water, coming to the, to the disciples in that boat, and there he is walking on the water, and there's, there's some fishes, you know, a little fish school going on down there, and the school of fishes are getting educated in their school of fishes, and they look up, and they see feet walking on the water. Human feet walking on the water. Well, I thought you taught us humans can't do that. Humans can't. That's him. That's him. Wait a minute. We see another pair of feet. Who's that? Oh, that's Peter. He's walking on water. Yeah, but he won't long. I think him fish had Peter figured out. He wasn't going to walk long. It's amazing how the creation recognized. Do you know the Bible says he came unto his own, and his own knew him not, received him not. And so he said, the demon says, Jesus I know. Paul I know. How did he know Paul? I believe the devil trembled. I believe some of them demons, I believe some of them demons when they got their marching orders from the devil and said, the devil said, now look here, I want to send about 20 of you down to the uh, Apostle Paul's house. He'll be getting up in the morning. He'll be lighting his little candle. He'll be, he'll be getting out from underneath of his tent. I want you to go down there. I want you to have a plan to mess him up. And they go eagerly to do that. And time and time again, Paul would defeat them. They thought they had him at times left dead and had people stone him. Got the crowd so worked up that they would stone him and leave him for dead only to have the power of God come upon Paul and he'd go right back to preaching the gospel time and time again. I believe it got to a point where when the Satan said, you, I'm going to send about 20 or 30 of you demons down to Paul's house this morning. I believe they kind of sat around and talked with each other and said, why don't you go? Why don't you go? Somebody else go down. We've taken him. We know him. You know what they meant when they said they, we know him? We have to respect his authority. We have to obey him. Not because Paul was somebody mighty, but Paul was a man of God. And he has dressed himself in that armor. And when thus saith the Lord comes out of Paul's mouth, it's because it's coming out of deep within his spirit in relationship he has with the one who is the spoken word, Jesus the Christ. The demon says, we know who Jesus is. We know who Paul is, but who are you? Now they knew who these folks were. Look here, they had their hand in the pot with these 
false religious Jews for a long time. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, Sadducees, they had their hand in that pot a long time. But when they said, who are you? They're basically saying this. We don't have to do what you tell us to do. You have no authority over us. Have you noticed in our society that authority is being lost? Should you stop if a red light comes on the highway? Boy, there's a lot of police chases out there, aren't there? I was coming around the courthouse there at Fredericktown, Missouri one time. There was a kid on a bike. He was right in the middle of the street. And I hollered at him to get out of the middle of that street. And you know what? He cussed me. The devil doesn't like authority. He doesn't like doing what somebody else does. And so, there he is. Paul, Jesus, we know who Jesus is. Paul, we know who he is. But who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. That's what the devil will do. When he, doesn't, when he knows there's no God authority, when he knows there's no divine spiritual presence, when he knows truth of the word of God is not being followed or obeyed, it's just mere words that's flying off of the pages out of somebody's mouth, he understands this, he can jump on that person, he can beat that person. He can prevail against that person. And I don't want the devil to think of that about me, do you? I don't want the devil to think that he can come into my church and start pouncing around doing his own thing and that he can somehow or another prevail in my church. He is not welcome. The big bad wolf cannot blow our house down. Amen? Not if we're living for God. Not if we're in tune to this God, but he said, Paul, we knew. How did he know? Because the devil is an observer. He's not a mind reader. The devil's not a mind reader. can't read minds. He observes. So we go all the way back to the book of Job. There we are. We're in the book of Job, and, uh, and we see, and we could go back further than that, but we'll stop right there. It's the most evident. In the first chapter of the book of Job, we've got, we've got a man named Job. We've got a man that fears God, excuse evil. And one day, one day, God is on his throne. Here comes the sons of God. They're coming up there to present themselves to God. And along comes Satan to present himself. And God speaks to him and says, well, what are you, where have you been? Well, you been? Well, I've been going to and fro. Hey, by the way, what did Peter say our adversary is doing? He's going to and fro upon the earth, seeking whom he may devour. He's an observer. He spies out. He checks out. He watches. He behaves in actions. You know you're known by five things. Let me give you five things that you and I are known by real quick. Number one, we're known by our character. Character is what you are when nobody else is around. That's that, that's that trueness of life, who you really are as an individual, as a child of the king. And let me tell you something. It should make no difference. I've had people tell me, so, well, you know, I didn't want to act like that in front of some other people. Look here. You're in the presence of God all the time. That should be the overwhelming being. You're known by your character. And the devil knows how you behave when mom and daddy, young people, when they're not around. When nobody else is watching us preachers. God is. And the devil is. You're known by your creed. What you believe. You're known by your conversation. How you talk. 
You're known by your conduct, how you behave, and you're known by your contributions, what you give to life. And the devil watches all five of those things, your character, your contributions, your conversations, your creed, your conduct. He weighs all of that out, and he says, you know, I saw something in that guy's behavior the other day. Let's just take Judas Iscariot. Let's go to... Let's go to Matthew. Hang, hold your finger there. If you've got big enough fingers, go from Acts chapter 19. Keep your finger there. Go to Matthew 26. In Matthew 26, Jesus makes an amazing statement. Matthew 26, and let's read the first two verses. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days in the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. That should have struck to the very heart core of the disciples. Jesus is going to be crucified. But it doesn't. And the devil notices it. It's been there for like that for a long time because Jesus has been telling us for a while. And the devil is observing the disciples. One of them is a keeper of the purse. Who is that? Judas Iscariot. He's a keeper of the treasure. He's got the bag. He's got the money. That's what he, and, and whatever you get, it becomes the most important thing to you. And you, you treat it like it's something personal and it became his and not the church of God in the mind of Judas. And so here's what happens. In verse 3, then assembled together the chief priests, chief scribes, and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtly and kill him. And they say, no, not for the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, poured it on his head and sat at meat. And when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying... To what purpose is this waste? Now wait, now you, I'm, I'm not going to take time to read the whole story. The whole story goes like this. Jesus brags on this woman. She's anointed my body for the burial. I just got through telling you I'm going to be crucified. Think about that. Don't think, why are they thinking about the money the, of a box of ointment when their Savior just said he's going to be betrayed? That means one of them is going to do it and crucified. Their money's, mine's on the money. So the devil sees that. So he stirs the pot. Now one of them, only one of them will go betray Jesus for what? 30 lousy pieces of silver. But 11 others are stirring the pot for Judas to do that. Look at that verse of scripture again in Matthew 26. He said, and when the disciples, that's all of them saw it. They had indignation. They started complaining. Here's Jesus here. The woman's anointed him here. The Last Supper's going on. And so they're kind of whispering among themselves and having this indignation. Can you believe that? We've been poor enough as it is. We've got, we got a vague plead. We're living, all, we're living out in the deserts. We don't have a place. We're following him around. Doing, and when we get a little bit of money, he gives it away to the poor time and time again. My goodness, we, why are we have this waste? Why are we wasting this money like this? Now, while, while 11 of them are griping, one of them, it starts festering, getting deeper. I'm telling you, only one will be trained, but 11 will help him do it. It's amazing how people are stirred by the few. A crowd can be stirred by the few. They knew he was the son of God, but they'd been so stirred up by this 
time they, Pilate brings him out, they'll holler, crucify him. The devil is very good at working behind this. You ever, I had a guy like, I had a guy like this in school in Glen Carbon, Illinois. He knew how to get out of trouble and blame me every time. You ever know a guy like that? That's the way the devil is. He gets us to turn on one another, if not turning on our God. And he does that by observing. And so, back to Job, God says, who you been? He said, well, I've been watching Job. You know, Lord, you take very, pretty good care of him, don't you? He's got all the wealth he needs. He's got all the health he needs. He said, I've been watching Job. He said, I've, if, I, if I've got Job figured out right, if you start taking away his wealth, if you start taking away things away from him, he'll curse you. This is a conversation. It's what the devil's been observing. Now, let me tell you something. The devil knows more about your prayer life than what you think. Do you know the devil knows if you prayed or not? The devil knows more about your church attendance than what you think. The devil knows more about your relationship with God than what you think. Here's Brother Bob. I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to be moral. And I told you I'm a man. I'm like anybody else. And a good-looking woman passed by. Now, if my head just about spins off the top of it and stares too long, you know the devil observes that. You know what the devil has the ability to do? He can observe a weakness in my life and find a way to give me an opportunity to fulfill the weakness. He does it by observation. Now, by the way, what is the best testimony that you and I have for the Lord? It's observation. He said, let your light shine. Before who? Men. Let people know who you are. Let people see you serving the living God. Let people. This is why, folks, on Sunday morning. Oh, come on, Bob. I'm about to tread on ground. I probably shouldn't. What do you think? Go ahead. Ah, took a while to get out of it, but I'm going to go ahead. I've had, in the past two years since COVID, I've had one preacher, good preachers, good men, good churches tell me we, our people won't come back. I understand COVID. I understand how date I almost died from it myself. I mean, I was getting phone calls from all over the United States from preachers. I, I told her, I must be dying. They don't call me any other time. My kids, I, and I was, I was bad. I was bad sick. I got to wondering if I was going to make it. I really, I didn't think I was going to make it. I got it early on in the first COVID, what it was. But folks, somewhere along the line, you got to trust God. And what happened was, the preacher started telling me, said, people told us that we're not coming back. You know, Sunday night church is almost gone in our society. We've stopped it. And I asked two preachers, good men. I said, why, how come you can't open it? He said, my people told us they're not going to come back. And I said, so we're doing what people are telling us to do. What about people that work on Sunday morning, can't go to church on Sunday morning, but they'd like to go Sunday night? What about that? 
You know, look here. The devil observes us. He sees what we enjoy, and he gives us opportunity to do what we want to do. Look here. I don't care what it is. If it's, if it's a sinful weakness, the devil will observe it, and he will give you an opportunity to do it. Hey, Diane Anderson, I, she puts on a big I got to watch moms over there. Mom might get me. <laughs> Our mother law Mother. She wouldn't shake my hand tonight. Yes. Matter of fact, I kind of noticed that when she went by, it wasn't just a little turned head. Her nose went up. Shaking that pretty good. I had that had that trailer nice and neat and clean, and he dirtied it up. I'll have to clean it when he gets out of here. What an ungrateful. Looks like a hog pen, and it'll be Kathy's fault. Now, the devil will see that. And if she gets aggravated enough, he'll see to it that I do something stupid, not thinking in my life, to aggravate her more. And, well, that's enough of that. Hey, would you turn with me to John's Gospel? I got, let, me, let me do this. There's just too much here. An amazing thing. John's Gospel, chapter uh, 14, I believe. I want to show you something. Jesus had told his disciples that he was leaving. Boy, they got upset about it. And uh, so he gave, them, he gave them seven things that would help them out. And one of them, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, neighbor, you may, may be also. He's telling them, hey, heaven is real. Hang on. I'm going to be crucified, but hang on. And then he talks to them about the Father. He tells them that they can have prayer answered. If they ask the Father anything in his name, he promises them the Holy Spirit. And one thing after another, he gives And then he says, I'm going to leave my peace with you. One promise after another. Then he gives them this. Notice verse... Uh, Let's, let's pick up with the last promise he makes in verse 27 of John's Gospel, chapter 14. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. None as the world giveth I give unto you. Let, your heart be, let not your heart be troubled. Now, that's what he told him the first time around when he started preaching. Neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you have loved me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Now, there's something going on at the time Jesus is saying this. You know what's happening? Judas has went to betray Christ. He sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Him and the entourage are on the way now, the soldiers. And very, very soon, he's going to betray Jesus with a kiss. But here's what Jesus says, verse 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. What does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus said the prince is coming. The, the, the evil one who has misled this world, who has destroyed this world, 
and souls along the way in homes and families and so many who has corrupted so many lives. He's coming after me, but he's got nothing in me. What's he saying? Do you know the devil can't tempt you with something if you through the power of God have crucified him? This is why when Diane stuck her nose up at me a while ago, the Lord will not let me reach down and grab a hold of it and pull it back down to earth. <laughs> Rather, he will tell me, pray for your enemy and those that despitefully you. You know why? You can't pray for people without falling in love, without the love of God start coming in and wanting good things to happen. In other words, the devil just tried to put us at odds. And I, I, I just say this, I don't think he can do it between us and Diane. Well, here's the deal. Now, let me explain what, what just happened here. Everybody watching, everybody listening, I'm, my dirty laundry is out here in front of everybody to see. She don't know me very well. She thinks she knows me. She knows the best of me. She knows the one you see, Brother Bob. Praise God. Hallelujah. Think about it. Victory in Jesus. Now, she goes home with the real Bob. <laughs> and so she has some doubts. She's got some things that she's had to deal with to love me as her husband. Now, I've got some things that I've had to deal with to love her as my wife to keep our marriage going. The devil worked on us, didn't he? Oh, boy. You talk about wasted years. We can sing that song. We had a few. And you have two. Boy, would I like to be a fly on the wall of some of these houses. <laughs> See what really goes on? Well, the devil does. He's up an observer. But I can tell you this. If you let the blood of Christ come in and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness, what Jesus will do, he will talk to the Father, and the Father will send the Spirit to come in and fill your house. And you'll become a vessel, if you do the right things, that is sanctified and meet, according to the Master's good use. And the devil is losing more and more ground, the older and wiser and stronger. The more the armor of God you put on, it's the least he can do. He, he can't do as much. Let me tell you something. The devil doesn't have near as much to deal with me about as he once did in my life. I have arrived at a point. Now, I still got things I've got to pray over. I'm just telling you, I can handle things that at once I couldn't handle. Can I leave you with a story real quick? I've gone a little long uh, tonight. This, this stuff is serious business. A good friend of mine called Danny Montgomery, he was one of the, he was just a friend in high school from Fredericktown, Missouri. Uh, I was glad to be on his good side because he was a fighter. He loved to fight. I've never seen a guy like to fight. He liked to fight. I've seen him do things. He, uh, we got a, 
We got a, a, a lime mine up in, uh, 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 up in St. Genevieve, Missouri. If you go up there, it looks like it snows all the time because it's this white lime is all over the place up there. And he worked at that lime mine and he sold cars to the workers. And after work, he would collect his money and he went in and collected his money at a tavern one night and he got beat up and thrown outside. Danny Montgomery went, got picked up off the street, got himself together, went to his car, got a ball bat, went back into the tavern and got his money. That's the kind of guy he was. He was tough. But I found him in the hospital one day, broken. He had been electrocuted by a power line that he was working, that it fell on him, and it had destroyed his life. He was hooked on drugs, had lost a marriage, was messed up, and I got a chance to lead him to the Lord. Praise God. But he was weak. And he needed help. He was constantly calling me up. He'd say, he called me up on the phone. He'd say, hey, brother, hey, sunshine, how are you today? And we would talk and pray together and do things together. I got called to DeSoto and had to leave and couldn't minister to Danny once. Now, people told me that I babied him. I don't think I did. He was just a weak vessel that needed some help. And I was called back several times. He was dropping out of church. You could see it happening. He was getting further away from God. And I'd never forget, as some time went on, he lost his family and everything else. He had backslidden. He had went deep into sin. And I went down to a revival up to preach one night, and I told Kathy, I said, I'm going to go try to get Danny to come to the revival. And I went to his house, and when I pulled up to the house, there was this ungodly music. Folks, I don't care what people say. There is some music that is satanic. And we need to understand that. And you can't put Christian label on top of it. Just understand that. We ought to know better. And it was coming out of that house. And I beat and I beat on that door just as loud as I could. I could smell the stench of alcohol. And I beat and beat. Finally, he answered the door. He opened it up. And he saw me. He said, come in. And I went in and I sat down. And his life, you just see the destroyed life. While I was sitting there talking with Danny, he started to do something. He started to do this. He said, I want you to tell you something. And he went like this. Like he was tying a rope around his neck. He said, I want you to do something for me, Bob. He just kept doing that. And then all of a sudden, he jerked it. And this is what he told me. This is what he sounded like. I want you, with tears coming out of his eyes, I want you to tell all the young people you meet what I let the devil do to me. He's dead. Fell in a tub and drowned in his bathroom. You have an adversary. This church, Cornerstone, has an adversary. Hartville, Dave, there's an adversary. Free Will Baptist, there's an adversary. Southern Baptist, there's an adversary. And he's seeking whom he may devour. And we better not be playing games. Because he'll march right into your house and hang another one. In the process. He's after my family.
after my family. And I am helpless. I can't go out and get in the ring and put on some gloves and duke it out. All I can do is get on my knees and put on the armor of God. All I can do is cry out for God for mercy and help. God, please reach out and touch this loved one of mine. No more than you and I can bring revival to this church. The devil is fighting that. I've had several of you tell me, verse of invitation, come on, Mike, get us going here. I'm going to talk all night. I've had several of you tell me, I've been trying to get my loved one to come. I want my loved one to come and hear the message and be in the revival. I want to see him saved. Let me tell you something. The devil is fighting that. He's fighting to keep him out. You cannot raise the white flag. The psalmist said, pray, Lord. He said, Lord, teach my fingers to fight. Help me to get in this battle. Jesus, the devil knows. Paul, he knew. I wonder what the devil knows about us. I wonder what, I wonder what he would say tonight. As the, him and the demons are gathered around, I wonder what he'd say about the Cornerstone Church. I wonder what he'd say about my wife. And about me. I know this. I want him to tremble when he sends a demon my way. <laughs> I want some of them demons to say, you know what, that guy's flipping his light on and we're just going to have some trouble with him today because he's on his knees praying again. Oh, if we could just get him, if we could get him rushing out of the house, get him in a hurry and get him to skip prayer just for one day. Can we afford to skip prayer for one day? We do. But we can't afford it. Because he knows his time is short. Let's stand. Let's sing.